The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of, from getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome, we've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow. Get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast. This week, I have an incredible interview that I cannot wait to share with you. Some of you probably already know this, but I was asked by Alessandra Torre of InkersCon to be speaking at the event this year with Renee Rose. It's like a dream come true. I kid you not. We are going to get to speak about author abundance, manifestation, about law of attraction, so many cool things. And it's all because Alessandra saw something within our, I don't know, our teachings, I guess, to be able to come to speak at InkersCon this year. Well, of course, me being the person that I am was so delighted, not only to be in Renee's vicinity, but also to get to know Alessandra a little bit better. Of course, after all this kind of back and forth exchange went on, I asked Alessandra to come onto the show so that I could learn more about her, I could share her story with you, and of course, we'd talk about all sorts of fun things from, mm, let's see, Inker's Con, <laughs> all the way through to the three, well, it ends up being more than three, big mistakes that authors can end up making that will sideline their careers if they're not careful. So you're definitely going to want to listen to Alessandra's tips. They are golden. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast episode and our interview. Well, hi there, Alessandra. Thanks for being on the Author Revolution podcast and um, you know being a part of this crazy show. Now, you are a woman of very many talents. You do so many different things. And <laughs> I spoke a little bit in the introduction about what I know of those awesome things and um, how we met a little bit and all that good fun stuff. But for my audience, do you want to tell them a little bit more about who you are, what you do, all all that you do? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. In my normal life, I'm a wife, a mom. I've got three dogs. We live in Key West, Florida. And I started out as a reader. That was kind of how I got in this. You know, I've been one of those book nerds my whole life. But I started writing 10, 11 years ago. Um, so one of my jobs is obviously as an author. I've written over 30 romance and suspense novels. I publish under A.R. Tory and Alessandra Tory. My other two jobs are uh, I run uh, Inker's Con with the team. I say I run it. I, I don't r really run it. Um, but <laughs> you are part of it. I work, <laughs> I work with the team at Inker's Con, um, which is an author's conference and, uh, and has events. And then my third Third job is that I, I do run uh, Authors AI, which is a, a tech startup that uses artificial intelligence to um, categorize books and improve books through uh, through the use of AI. I know Marlo. That's an awesome and AI. That's Marlo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's super that's cool. That's my favorite girl. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I can't imagine yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> well, so where did your, what has your author's journey been like? Like, where did you start when it, how did you transition from being a reader into going, you know what, I want to do this as well? I have to give all of the credit to E.L. James for that. 
I did not know E.L. James at all, um, but it was it was one of those things where I was always a reader. I just read everything from sci-fi to thrillers. I read absolutely everything except romance. Romance <laughs> was the one thing I didn't read, um, and I was so snobby about it. I was like, <laughs> too funny. You know, romance novels, I, um, which is totally unfounded, but that was you know how I was when I was fourteen and then eighteen. Sure. When I was 27, um, I read, 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 and I always complained about the books I read. My, I would always complain to my husband about because I would figure out the plot twist or whatever, you know. And I always, I always had an opinion, good and bad. Um, <laughs> but I read an article that Yale James was making over a million dollars a day on Fifty Shades of Grey, and I was like, man, you know, I got out my calculator and I was like, if I could do one percent of what Yale James is doing, like. I would be set for life. There was kind of that that happened and just me starting. And my husband's like, you know, you're always complaining about these books. You should, you know, like put your money where your mouth is. You should write something. The other side of it was that my mom started writing a book. Like uh, somebody approached her to co-write a book. She she had always been a, a non, like professor. So she'd always written, but never fiction. So oh. she was telling me about self-publishing and how anybody could just write a book and put it out there. And that, like I did not have any confidence in my writing. I never could have gone a traditional route because I just didn't believe in myself. But self-publishing this idea that I could write a book and put it out there and nobody would know that it was me and I could do it under a pen name. I was like that I could I could get on board with because sure. then if it failed horribly, no one would ever know, you know, and I <laughs> and I wouldn't have to face like too much rejection. I could just move along and do something else. Sure. So, yeah. So it's kind of those three things. And then I also lost my job. So I was, I didn't have a job. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and in kind of the intersection of those three things. Gotcha. And the universe was just like, well, here's this thing. Maybe you should give it a try. Yeah, you know, you should give it a try. And so I wrote my first book and self-published it and it didn't do much. Like it did, it did well enough. It, I was making like, I was making like 15, $20 a day. So it did well enough that I like got on my calculator again. And I was like, okay, if I write 10 books, you know, then I think I was, might have been making $10 a day. Cause I know if I was like, if I wrote 10 books, then I would be making roughly $38,000 a year, which is the same that I was making at the job that I had lost. So I was like, Hey, I could like never go back to work. This could be my job. So that was my expectation kind of for if I wrote 10 books, but then three months in that book just took off and, um, oh. And, and it, and I sold it for multiple six figures. And then suddenly I had all this money and it was like, okay, I, I guess this is my job now. <laughs> so right. yeah, so that was, that was way back in 2012. And that was what launched everything. Oh, that's super interesting. I started in 2010 as well, but didn't really like kick things off with my career until like 2013. So it was right mm -hmm. around that same time frame too. And it was such a different landscape when it comes to the indie publishing realm, because like, KDP, um, you, KU didn't exist quite yet. It was like kind of no. Like I was all KDP these... select back in yeah. the day. Like, yeah, yeah, it was so <laughs> weird, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness! And I was very much like you, where it was like I, I wrote sci-fi. I wrote. I've always written fantasy, so I had like an urban fantasy pen name. Started with sci-fi, but it it was really urban fantasy with just a different planet. It was weird. It was, that's how all authors start in the beginning, right? We don't know what the heck we're writing. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, I was the same with with romance as well, where I was just like, I don't want to do romance. No, I'm not going to do it. Now, of course, this year I'm I'm looking at doing a, a romance pen name because there's a. Do, do you ever have one of those moments where you get those ideas that come in your head and you're like, that doesn't even fit my brand. What is this? Like, what? What? And it won't go away. Have you ever had those kind of ideas? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's one of mine. So that's, that's the plan for this year. I, I, yeah. I still, I still have that. Um, <laughs> I, I still ha- I have, I have a book that's been in my head for years, but every time I bring it to, our, to my readers, they're like, no, don't write that. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I guess like I they're, they're very adamant about it. They don't want to, they don't want to read it. So I'm like, okay. Interesting. You're like, yeah, new pen name, maybe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It's so um, weird. Readers are fun. They're fickle. They're fun, but they're fickle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to write a pirate romance and they're just not interested in that. That's, but really? you know, Pam Godwin did great with Sea of Ruin. Yeah. So maybe I just need to, yeah, find all the Sea of Ruin readers. I agree with you. I I would see nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Too funny. Okay, so other than obviously being a fantastic author, you are also a self-publishing advocate, obviously, with Inker's Con, which I get to speak at this year. Thank you so much for that, by the way. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you. And then obviously with Authors AI. So what is it do you think about indie authorship that really got you inspired to invest in helping authors to succeed and get the most out of their author career? What what kind of was the trigger point for that? For me, it was that when I started, and again, I started in 2012, which in one in one way was like the gold mine. Like you could you know, like hit success so much easier than you could today um, because it was just much less crowded marketplace. But there was also zero resources. So like every, there was no information about formatting a book. There was no information about cover design. There was no information about marketing or newsletter or any of that stuff. When I got, when my book really took off and suddenly I had money and I wanted to reinvest that money into my business, I didn't, like I was literally on the phone with the New York Times trying to get a full page ad. Because I didn't know how else to spend money. Like, you know, it was like, I was still stuck in, I hired a local PR person and we wasted a lot of money running like a press release and stuff like that. There just wasn't, there wasn't any information. Um, And there wasn't any, there was information on craft in terms of like a book, like writing books, but there wasn't, you know, that we didn't have online courses and we didn't have all of this stuff. So it was really kind of my first few years was, I would just wander blindly in a direction until I hit a wall. And if I hit a wall, then I would turn and I'd go in another direction, you know? Um, it was and like a labyrinth. I, I, was, I was successful despite myself, right? Like I was successful, you know, despite everything I was doing wrong. And it was one of those things that was like, once I figure all of this out, like I want to, I want to help people not make the mistakes I made. And so that was, and what I really wanted was a writing for dummies like I wanted a four dummies class because when I, I was a reader who just wrote a book, you know, and then suddenly I was trying to learn about the craft. And a lot of the craft books I read were just really intimidating. And I only got a few chapters in. And so I really wanted something kind of easy. So at first I started with my own courses, like creating courses. And then it was like, okay, I realized how little I knew. And that was when it was like, okay, I want to learn from all the people who know everything. And so that was how Inker's Con was born. It was like, let me get together the best in every single, you know, in this little niche topic and bring them all together and learn from those. And it was, it was as much selfish. I wanted to learn it <laughs> to this day when I create the, the agenda for Inker's Con, it's like, what, you know, I, I definitely gravitate towards things that I need the most, but that gets me the most excited and that I see. For sure. I, I can completely relate to that with obviously the podcast. That was kind of 
my my beginning as well where it was like I just except I was way more intimidated and trying to pull people in at first so I spent the first I don't know nine months like I'm just gonna pour out what I actually know so far sure <laughs> before yeah. I start trying to ask people onto this show it's scary <laughs> to ask people like to this day when I email people about Inker's Cut, I'm like hi I know we don't know each other. There's this thing oh, that I might, but, might like yeah. to try. I don't know. I'm sorry for yeah, your inbox, but yeah. Cute. And everyone's like, heck yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the like, best part is if someone already knows what you're talking about. They're like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and InkersCon has grown so much. I mean, even in the past so couple much. of years, yeah. it's been great. Oh my gosh. And you have such a diverse set of classes. I just went to um, see if I can speak today, the 20 books conference last November. And it's like, even InkersCon has, in my opinion, I mean, not, not to diss 20 books because it's, it's a fabulous conference, but it, it, you have a, a different mix of things and it's so cool to be able to do both and, and still get a lot of really cool, insightful information out of both. And so it's just, it's cool the way that you put things together and pull, pull the panels together sometimes. I mean, it's just great. I love it. What's the hardest thing for me is that we only have 24 to 27 main classes. And that is so hard for me because like 20 books, they have like 80. I don't, I don't right. know. I don't even know how that, but six, I would say at least 60. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, and, and it's great because they have the space and they have the flexibility and they can like, so they could have really niche classes or classes just about like fantasy world building or something. But it's hard for us with Inker's Con is it's like, because I only have, 27 main classes it's like I have to I have to figure out like yeah the biggest the biggest need and the biggest speakers we can get and the biggest that um so yeah. that that's the hardest because I I turn away some great ideas classes I would love to have we just you right. know it might be you know KU versus wide and that's not a big enough audience that I have you know what I'm saying sure. like that, that's a specific audience that wants that but that's why that's one of the reasons why in InkersCon we brought in roundtables because it's like we can go nuts with roundtables and roundtables can be a niche topic and I could have a hundred roundtables. I think we had we had over a hundred roundtables last year, wow. um, so they can that can go crazy, right? And that can be super yep. niche down. So that makes me feel a little bit better. I'm like, well, I, we can't take you as a speaker, but please, please do a roundtable. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's really fantastic too. And then it, like you said, it allows people to talk about their niche topic or the the area that they're most experienced in without it actually being like a, a full blown conversation right. or topic. That's cool. So, okay. I'm going to jump ahead because I know InkersCon is coming up in June. So how, if people are interested in, in getting involved in InkersCon, joining it either live or via um, the digital version, how do they go about doing that? Um, so if you visit inkerscon.com, you'll be able to see like right now, someone could dive right in and watch on demand all of the content from 2022 this year. But if you want to reserve a spot for 2023, you can. And that's, yeah, as Chris has said, we have, you can attend live in Dallas. We only have 220 slots for live. I mean, now we don't have that many, but that's how many attend- authors attend. It's a smaller conference. But you can also attend digitally, and we normally have over a thousand digital attendees. And so, and it's a great. I've attended a lot of digital conferences a lot of times because I like to get ideas and find out what's working. Our digital ecosystem, because it is isn't the ecosystem is the right word, but 
our community is so involved. Like the digital conference is not like other ones where you might sign up and you never watch the classes. Like if you want to network and meet other authors, like you're going to in that digital access. So they're both fantastic. I love being live and in person and, you know, getting that energy and that excitement, but it's also fantastic. And live attendees attend digitally, it's included. So you get both. That's super cool. Well, and it helps too, I think, for those introverted authors who really want to attend a conference, but they're kind of like, I don't really want to be there in person. That's, <laughs> I'm, I, I, can, I don't know if I can call myself an introvert now because I've really come out of my shell being in this business and being, you know, involved in the way that I am. But I was, t- when I went to my first author's conference, which was um, RT in at Kansas City, Missouri in 2012 or 13, I didn't know a soul and I was terrified. I mean, I, I sat in like <laughs> against a wall and pretended to look at something on my phone and like, <laughs> I didn't know anyone, you know, sure. um, and I was so shy. And I still, I, I think back that every time I go to Inker's Con, because I know that, um, but that's, what's nice about it being smaller is everyone meets everybody. And by the time you leave, you know, everybody's face. So it, you can't, I, I say you can't hide. You, you will meet people just, yeah, just from being there. For sure. Well, I know for me, like I've been, I went to um, the Georgia one. Oh gosh. Moonlight Magnolias way back in 2011, 2010, something like, no, 2011. And I was like the only sci-fi chick there. Cause all of my critique <laughs> partners were, were romance authors. And I'm like the sci-fi yeah. nerd at this conference. <laughs> and luckily I knew those two, but it was, it's, it was scary. Otherwise they kept pushing me to like talk to people. And I'm like, why are you making me speak to people right now oh the idea of going up to a strange group of people and saying hi like I I, it it is though different because we all are book nerds so we all and we all typically are introverts I mean so I think so it is different it's not like going up to the popular group at high school and being like you know (laughs) it still feels like that a little bit (laughs) but it feels that way it does but then it's never as bad because I think I at least you know Anchor's Con is now the only conference typically I I travel to but it's when you see someone who comes up everyone's like hi like come in you know like yeah. do you want to wear a tiara like, you like know, sure what? yeah <laughs> come on hello yeah. <laughs> who doesn't I know right so, that's it's, yeah that's a huge I don't even have a tiara guys I am like slacking I I, I know book talk has like the whole like thing going I, yeah, it's something that I don't even know the origins behind it. I know they do it at 20 bucks and they have like a well, yeah, I remember we're seeing that for the romance group. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And must have started uh, there. This with, year, with, not, with like romance, not necessarily 20 right. bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I think it must be a romance thing because yeah. at Ingrid Pond, a group is like, is anyone bringing their tiaras? And other people were like, what are y'all talking about? And <laughs> right. they were like, you can bring one. So people are like last minute ordering them on Amazon. Oh, you right. know? And, You're gonna have to like design yeah. them as swag. So like if they forget it, you can be like, here's, Here's yeah. something you can get. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like right? it. Right? <laughs> oh, too funny. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, I was really intimidated at 20 books, even though I, I knew a lot of people and it was fun to, to network. Was it, it your first year? It was the first time I've been in person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, well, 20, first of all, I can't say enough great things about 20 books. 20 right? books is fantastic. But it is a beat. I mean, it is huge. I've yeah. never been but I've been to RWA in Vegas. The problem is you already are in Vegas. So yeah, you already right? like all that. 
And then, but it is massive. You could have a great, amazing conversation with someone and then never see them again the rest of the conference. I, I agree. It was so huge. And for us, we'd never been to Vegas. So I went with my husband and a good friend of ours. And it was like, you know, the whole day we went to all the different, you know, as many um, sessions as we could do throughout the day. And then as soon as it was done for the day, we were like out the door walking the strip, <laughs> trying, to, trying to like locate, like, okay, what's this? Like, who, where are we? Who am I? Like, <laughs> we we're just trying to figure it out. And so we spent hours walking every night just to get a, a good glimpse of the strip. It was crazy. So maybe next time it'll be, it'll, it'll be fine, but it yeah. was so hard to connect with people and we're not drinkers. So it wasn't like, we we're like, Hey, let's go to all these like drinking right, mashups yeah. afterwards. So it's just, it was overwhelming. And I go into, I don't know if you do this as well, but I, I go into student mode. And so then I'm like taking the notes and I'm all, I'm all in with whatever the people are talking about. That's like, I yeah. don't even like think to be like, oh yeah, I'll miss my session. Let's go chat. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like what? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Like, like I have a class to go session, to. <laughs> I need the one thing I need that like totally changes my whole career. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Oh gosh. Okay. So we could talk about obviously conferences all day long, <laughs> but you're actually here to talk about something really cool. And so let's, let's actually get to that. <laughs> so authors, um, we've talked about this a little bit, but authors struggled at one point or another in their careers. And I know that you've mentioned that there are three big mistakes that authors can make that can end up sidelining their careers. So do you want to maybe tell us what those might be so we yeah, can, I can do it better. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, um, so, the, and this is something that I, a, a lot of these mistakes are personal mistakes I've made, but also mistakes I've seen other authors make. So, um, gosh, it's so hard. I had a list of three and then I crossed out one and put something <laughs> out. So I could really, in fact, I'm going to go wild and I'm going to maybe not go deep dive on all of them, but name as many as I can. Excellent. Because, We'd love to hear that. Why, why find other mistakes? So sure. first, um, this was one that I ended up crossing off the list, but it's still really good that they start their newsletter too late. Um, mm. So I didn't have any platform when I published my first book, when I had my first big spike, I had no way to capture those. So even if it's just like a Google Drive form, but there's really no reason for that. You can get a free MailerLite account with free newsletter sign up uh, and, until you hit a thousand people, you don't have to pay a thing. So from very beginning, if you don't have a, a professional newsletter, just sign up at MailerLite and at least get the sign up form so that you can put it in the back of all of your book. I can but, to that one. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things we put off, put off. If you can just yep. knock it out in the beginning, go for it. Second thing, giving up on your books. So I, my first book, you know, it, it did okay. Like I said, it was making 10 to $15 a day. I very easily could have just like been like, you know, that was fun. Like I'm not going to make money, real money off of this and done something else. That book, I changed the book description one day on a whim. And that book then took off. And that book wow. made me, you know, $60,000 that month, you know, and then, you know, Did you ever figure out what it was that you tapped into then? Was it like a trope? No. And you know what? I didn't save the first one because I was what like, that? who cares? Like, right? It's going to be like, the pivotal change that would create my entire career. You yeah. know, so I was like about to leave like out of town. And I was like, you know, I think I'll just write a new book description. I think if I had to guess, I think my first, my cover was super sexy. And I think my book description wasn't. And so when I changed my book description, maybe to something a little spicier that matched the cover more that fit my packaging and fit my book, then it, but it made me realize how many people were clicking on my cover 
seeing the book description and being like, eh. And then they went to something else where all I, as soon as I fixed that, my sales went up like a hundred sales that day. And the next day I had 500 sales. The next day I had a thousand and it just like took off. And then Amazon was like, okay, this is a book people click on and buy, you know? So then they were sharing it everywhere. And it, nice. um, yeah. So, and I had the high honor of being the first banned book on Amazon <laughs> <laughs> because my cover was so scandalous <laughs> that uh, Amazon didn't know what to do with it. Cause it was in the top, like 15, you know, and here yeah. I am with my crotch shot cover. Uh, um, do you have a, we, we have to see this cover now yeah, for those that. of us who I are on the, the video. Here it is. Okay. So if you want to see this cover guys, you got to watch the yeah, video. You got to watch the video, whatever time <laughs> we're at. This is the cover, the original cover. Oh, of the okay. Yeah, so, yeah. For those of you listening, it's a woman, her legs are spread. It's a close up of like just under her breast to like, wear her legs up and and she's covering herself with her hands so and um so this was a homemade cover it wasn't anything i spent a lot of money on this is the original you can see how like crappy it looks but um but the the publishers called this the crotch shot cover um (laughs) and when it went to auction it sold at auction did great but uh but they called it the crotch shot cover and so this is plastered all over amazon's like at the time they didn't yeah. like erotica would show up in the top 100 and so they finally just disappeared from sale like we couldn't figure out what happened to it it took my agent like three days to get an answer they were like we don't know what to even do with this book but we we have to hide it like we can't <laughs> show it so the only way you could buy it is if you had like the direct link it wouldn't show up if you typed oh, in the name right? so it's like the first adult filtered erotica dungeon book <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's not even technically that bad. I have seen way it's worse. It's not. It's not that bad. Like yeah. well, there's like everything's covered. Like it's suggestive, but everything's covered. You can't see anything. Right. Um, but that was before like hand bras, and then suddenly all they came up with all these rules. But uh, but what it taught me is like there could just be like one piece, and it might be your cover, and it might be your blurb, but it might be the book itself, which is a much harder piece. But, um, but never give up on your book. And even, you know, there, there are books that are, that go viral three years after, you know, they're out or 10 years after they're out. So, um, so don't necessarily brand a book, a loser and move on, like, you know, continue to work on it and keep an eye out for it and, and root for it. So next mistake, not writing in series. Mm. And I got to tell you, I'm a standalone girl. I read standalones. I write standalones. I've known this this rule for years, and I still write standalones. <laughs> My mind just doesn't work in series, but it has hurt me so much financially. And for me, what's really hard is I do have two trilogies, but they're both owned by publishers, so I'm not able to properly capitalize the, on those. Um, so if you can just connect the books in some way, you can still write standalones, but at least put them in the same town, you know, and have your characters interact with each other. Like, why didn't I do that? I could have put all my all my standalones in the same town, you know, and at least had some reason for, you know, the, the readers from one. But no, I started with a whole new world every single time. And that's more work for you. You can't write as fast. You like a good challenge, huh? Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> I like <laughs> yeah. myself in the back. So, um, so write in series, at, if at all possible, no matter what your genre is, ignoring the craft. That's another mistake that um, authors make. And it's because, you know, the marketing class, it's just like when you go to a conference, like 
the marketing classes are packed and nobody's sitting in the craft classes, right? But, you know, our books are our product and every hour that you spent studying craft is going to come back on you, you know, tenfold or fifteenfold. It's not as sexy. It's not an immediate return on your bottom line. But there are authors out there who do almost nothing in terms of marketing. I mean, and the books, I mean, Colleen Hoover is a fantastic example. Everyone like tries to recreate Colleen Hoover with marketing. It's it's because her books are fantastic, you know, and it's because her books hit that that thing that readers want. And she doesn't do ads and she doesn't do Facebook ads. And now, of course, she has huge, you know, publishers behind them. But those books were going nuts without any of that. Um, She doesn't have a newsletter. I talk about, she brings every role out there. She doesn't write in series, you know? And she's like the quirkiest, weirdest person in real life. And then her books are so serious and deep. Like what happened? Yeah. How do those books come out of that? (laughs) So, but her craft is on point. So like Kyla Stone was an Inker's Con presenter. She's brilliant. She's super successful. I love what she said last year, which is she reads a craft book in between every book that she finishes. As soon as she finishes writing books, a book, she'll read a craft book before she writes the next one. And I was just like, I love that. Um, and you can see it. Her, cra- her, her books are fantastic. So don't ignore the craft. That's, that's the, the main thing. And last but not least, don't jump genres. And I am as guilty of this. I <laughs> was always like, oh, it, it, this is don't jump genres and do write to market. And I was so snobby about this. I was like, oh, writing to market is just like, I had this horrible image of what writing to market was. And I also had this thought that I could just write just whatever floated into my head. So I wrote a romantic comedy and then I wrote like a dark romance, you know, and then I wrote, you know, a psychological thriller. And my readers are so like, I'll get a reader who loves my books. And then they look for something else like that in my backlist. And I don't have anything to give them. So what do they do? They go buy something else. So it's hard. And especially if you're a slower writer, I am now at a one book a year pace, which, you know, I mean, so I have to stay in one genre. Um, and I've done that with AR, AR Tory, my one pen name has stuck to genre, but I haven't had a choice. I have a publisher who's like, <laughs> I, I will constantly come with ideas. I'm really excited about it. And they're like, that's not what you write. You write domestic suspenses set in California, you know, <laughs> that have an element of, of sex or, you know, race, raciness. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, but it's this really great time travel book, you know, <laughs> that's a redemption story. And they're like, yeah, yeah. not going to so, fit your brand. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit your brand. Yeah. So um, I've done much better about it. But if, from the beginning, if I had just, you know, stuck in my, picked a lane and stayed in it. I would be again so much more successful than I am now. And it's made my job so much harder because every every time I sell someone on my book, it's like I have to start from scratch and sell them on that book and then I don't have anything else to sell them. So um, so if you can figure out what you love writing and what you're good at writing and then stay there. And if you absolutely also love writing something else, Cozy Mysteries, I, I, had, I chatted with a bunch of Cozy Mystery authors and I left there like, oh my gosh, 
I want to write cozy mysteries. This sounds like so much fun. Like, this is amazing. Like, now I was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't write cozy mysteries right now. Shiny, um, shiny. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but if there is something else that you also really, really want and love to do, like do it under another pen name and make sure that you have the bandwidth to support two pen names and to create production, steady production in both pen names. I completely agree with that. For me, it was like the forever. I've been working on this urban fantasy pen name. And I didn't, like you were saying in the beginning, you don't quite know what you're doing yet. So you hop around a little bit. Mine was like sci-fi fantasy. Then it was like paranormal fantasy. And then it was urban fantasy. And I realized that they're all urban fantasy for the most part. So we're just going to go with that. (laughs) But it was like, you're just trying to feel your way through and try to figure out what in the heck you're actually doing. And then like, I, I think in the beginning when we were writing, you know, even the decade ago, the categories weren't as concrete either. And so you don't really know you know, like what, this is a genre, is urban fantasy even a thing? Like what, like yeah. it was all like, just- I remember when new adult was just kind of like invented, they were like, yeah. oh, and we'll also call this new thing that a lot of people write in, we'll call this new adult. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like RH is now, um, why choose? And it's like, <laughs> there's all these like, right. Just take a thing that was a thing and then they switch it on you and you're like, what happened? What just happened here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's craziness. So is, is there any other advice that you would give? And like, let's say a new author is coming on the scene and they're trying to figure out, you know, what, what they should really be doing. Is there any other advice that you would give them? My main advice would be just, I wouldn't advertise until you have multiple books out, hopefully that are in a series. I mean, ideally in a series Um, and learn before you spend like, and learn before you spend time and before you spend money, like, If you are on a limited budget, invest in education over, you know, because it can be so easy to just throw a hundred dollars on a Facebook ad and it just be gone. You know, um, if you don't know anything about Facebook advertising and, and it, and you can spend a lot of money on editing and editing is great and editing. I would, I would put in the learn category, but if you, if you are tight on money, you don't have money for an editor, you can learn a lot. Through, through books it checked out in the library, through free, um, free podcasts, you know, like this, um, YouTube videos. I mean, the, the negative with free education is you also get a lot of miseducation, but, but you know, you're never going to have piecemeal too. It's like you're trying right. to find bits of, in pieces and it's not as a, co- not in as much of a coherent delivery, I guess. <laughs> And as long as you have time, it's fine. Like that's the thing, like cheaper normally takes longer, right? So as long as you have time to watch five or six videos, you know, and, and grab something that works for you. And the other thing is like everything, things that work for one person aren't going to work for someone else, you know? So don't be like, oh my gosh, I have to be an outliner because these three people are outliners and they, whatever, or I have to rapid release because that's whatever, like you don't have to do anything. Like you can blaze your own trail and it includes a little bit of Melanie Harlow and it includes a little bit of Freedom McFadden and it includes a little bit of this and something that you heard outside the elevator at 20 books. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. That is your path and you're in that and, you know, and that's you. So, because I am not an outliner, I would, I understand why outlining is great. Like I want, just like I want to be organized and have a nice looking house. Like I <laughs> want to be an outliner, but I'm not, I'm going to have a messy house. It's going to happen. And I'm going to pants a book. It's going to happen, you know? So, um, you know, just, just understand and embrace that. And some of us work 
I, Becca Smine is fantastic. If you can ever watch anything that Becca Smine does or attend any of her classes, she has courses too. But if you can't afford that, if you can find her at conferences and things like that, she's been at Inkerscon a ton of times and she's brilliant. And she taught me that I need a deadline. Like mm-hmm. if I don't have a deadline, it books just, it's not going to get written. You know, it, I mean, yeah. it will get written, but it's going to take a year and a half. You know, so I, and no matter what my deadline is, I'm going to wait until (laughs) two weeks before, (laughs) Yeah, two weeks before. And then I'm going to be that crazy person in my office. Like, don't come in here. Like, what are you doing? No, I can't like eat dinner. I'm on deadline. Right. That's Parkinson's law. But whatever you have will expand or contract to fit the time allotted for it. (laughs) Yeah. Deadlines are are key. (laughs) Don't go crazy. Come on. You got to eat. Yeah. I asked my publisher for an extension, my poor publisher, like I am self-published, but the last few books I've done has been with uh, a pub, which is Amazon publishing, which is almost like indie publishing. Like they're so different from every other traditional publisher. But um, I know now I'm worried that I've trained them now that I'm going to (laughs) ask for the extension. Um, But so I asked for an extension because I, I had finished the book and I hated it. And I was like, I have to start. So anyways, so, but uh, anyways, I was down, I was like, Hey, I just need like five, six more days, you know, whatever. And the lady was like, what about three weeks? And I was like, awesome. Like, <laughs> yes, three weeks would be fantastic. What did I do the first two weeks of that? Like, I didn't even look at the manuscript. <laughs> like suddenly I have all this time. I don't you know what you like, did. You let it I, percolate in the back of your mind before you went through. to it. So I'm like organizing stuff and like actually going out and doing stuff. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, I have seven days. Like, what am I going to do? And then I was a crazy person for the seven <laughs> days. Um, so, yeah. I think that's pretty, t- pretty standard for a lot of us. I'm the same way when it comes to deadlines. If I don't have it, like, even if it's just a mental deadline, if I don't have one, I can very easily fill my time with other things. And so it's like, it's so weird, but it, it's crucial. It's a really like crucial. you said, the time expands or contracts, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, that's awesome. I can't wait for InkersCon too. It's going to be such a fun thing to do, and I'm doing it right after going to the Idaho Writers Conference with Troy Lambert. So that's oh, going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be like I'll be there, and then all of a sudden I'll be in Texas. It's going to be like where I won't even know who I your, am or where I live. Your brain is going to be like humming. <laughs> yeah, with- right. Yeah, it's gonna be so exciting. I'm I'm so we haven't, obviously COVID, we haven't traveled yeah. a super ton until last year when we went to Vegas. And so I'm so stoked to be finally out and moving about again. <laughs> it's so funny. A lot of people like I've talked to people who've never been to an author's conference. And it's um like it just I don't know, it gives me like a shot of inspiration. Like I just yes. I don't know. It's, it's just cool. It's just really I mean, cool is such a weak term, but it's um. It's just, you have to experience it at some point in time. You do. It's, it's, it's like this motivating, even if you aren't quite sure what you're doing yet, or even if yeah. you're just like trying to figure things out, it's like just being around the energy of all those people, whether they are successful or they're just starting out. It's like, we're yeah. all here for the same purpose of like learning how to do this better. And it's just so cool. Like you said, it's so cool to be there. It's just, it's neat. I love the experience of it. And it's also you like setting aside that time where it's focused, right? Because the negative is if you get a course or something else is you can, you know what I mean? Like there isn't like urgency where you're, you're here. So you're like, I'm going to set aside this 72 hours and, and I'm, it's my gift to myself and I'm going to focus on my book 
and, and just immerse myself in this for these 72 hours. And so you have this kind of like laser focus on your career and your books for that period of time, which is also what I need, you know? Absolutely. It builds that momentum where you, yeah. you know all of your thoughts, regardless of what you're doing, when you're thinking about something, it builds that momentum. If you've spent mm-hmm. a couple of seconds, even 17 seconds, they say yeah. is like enough to cre- create momentum of thought. And so when you immerse yourself into the weekend of it, it's, it's no surprise to me why yeah. all of a sudden you're like motivated and excited to do this thing because you've just spent so much time immersing, like you said, into the world of what you want to be doing. And you're reminding yourself, I think that this is an important piece of your life and that yeah. you want this to become you're telling the universe. I care about this. Yes. Yeah. I've made intention on this. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Alessandra, thank you so much for being on the podcast, for sharing all of your insights and telling everybody about InkersCon. We'll have to come back again when we get closer to InkersCon and talk more I about know. just that. <laughs> we could do like we could do a recap after it where we oh, talk about like that. our favorite takeaways. I like I like doing that in between the live event and the digital launch because then it's not too late. People can still jump in for the digital launch, but also everything's kind of top of mind. Yes. You know? um, so yeah, I'd love to come back anytime. But yeah, I thank you that. so much for having me. For sure. Thank you so much. Now, before we go, though, if my audience wants to obviously get in touch with you, learn about your books, about InkersCon, Marlo, all those fun things, how do they go about like finding you? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, alessandratore.com is where re- is my reader site. So you can find all my books there. And uh, and if you need a book, Every Last Secret or the ghost writer. If you're a, uh, actually forget that the ghost writer, if you're an author, this is it behind me. Um, the ghost writer, if you're an author is my, first of all, it's my best book I've ever written, but it's also like writers love it. Cause the main character is a writer. Love it. Um, and if you go to inkerscon.com, there's a blog there that has a bunch of, we have free webinars. You can jump in and watch. Um, and, uh, and you can find out anything about any events we have going on. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it so much. And I, I am just thrilled to, to be coming to Texas. I can't wait to, yeah, see you in person in just yeah. a couple months. It'll be here before we know it. I know it's scary. I'm, I'm already scared, but it's okay. We'll, we'll do good. <laughs> well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Alessandra and her amazing tips and amazing insights. I don't even know how this woman gets as much done as she does. I love that she's as involved in the indie author community as she is. I love that she loves AI and learning how to incorporate it in ways that are going to help the indie author community. And of course, her stories are just fantastic. <laughs> I don't, I, she had me giggling throughout that entire podcast episode, and I hope that you had the chance to go into the video and check out that cover that she showed us because, wow, to be the first Amazon cover or book to be banned, that's pretty special. Anyway, I am so excited to be one of the speakers at InkersCon this year. I'm super excited. Can't wait to be there. If you have the opportunity to go, I highly encourage you to check it out. Get your tickets now. Be there in person. Come hang out with us because we're going to have some incredible discussions at InkersCon. Now, again, this is taking place June 9th through the 11th in Texas. So if you're in the Texas area or if you love to travel, definitely check out the tickets. I will have everything all the links, all the things in the show notes for you today. Just head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 169. I'll have a link to all the things that you need right there. And of course, if you'd like to get the transcript to the interview, you can also get it from that place as well. 
If there's one thing that I know, one thing that Alessandra really highlighted, it's that we indie authors need to stick together. We are amazing when we do things that elevate ourselves and also elevate our communities that we're in. And we do that by sharing our knowledge, sharing our expertise, and being able to uplift our fellow indie authors wherever we can. Now, whether that be through a free podcast like this, or a conference, or one-on-one with someone that you are just trying to help out, we are doing our parts to make this world a better place. And I think we are pretty amazing at doing that. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I myself am going to get moving on some really exciting new things that are coming. If you have not yet had the chance to sign up for the Abundant Author Activation, oh my friend, you're going to want to get in on that as soon as possible. It is going to be incredible. Not only is it going to be me delivering some wow out of this world insights when it comes to abundance, law of attraction, the five principles to reset your money mentality, but we also have board certified hypnotherapist Tammy Tyree joining us, and we're going to do a group hypnotherapy session to help us really embed and activate the abundant author mindset. You are not going to find another masterclass like this for free out there, my friend. Definitely head over to millionaireauthorcoach.com forward slash activation if you want to get in on that. Whew. So there you have it. So many good things in the pipeline for this year already. It's only February and we're just getting started. So you know what to do. Go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast's Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks, like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.